Rosaline were actually in Victoria to actually encourage me to pick up the vision that I'd kind of hadn't done anything with and, and, and start that journey. And the words, because I'm a sportsman, so God sometimes speaks to me pretty bluntly like, like a coach would speak to his sports, you know, sports people. And the word was go hard or go home. So it's like, well, what are you doing just twiddling your thumbs? You need to either just get stuck into what I was telling you to do or you might as well just go home being, well, for us at the time, it was, it was Tasmania. You know, so we went, okay, it's time to go hard. Uh, it's to go hard. So, it nearly <laughs> go hard. And I sense the Lord saying at the moment, in a similar way, it's time to go hard. Now, we can still be still and go hard. We can still rest and we can still, I'm not, you know, there's, you've got to understand the spiritual dimensions in that. But we need to be, have a faith that says, you know what, I'm going to step into the more. Because, you know, for each and every one of us that's here today, God has got more. And if we don't believe that, then we need to get back into Scripture again to realize that God has got more for each and every one of us. That's why I say there is no such thing as retirement, there's only refirement. Because God has got more for all of us, in us and through us and amongst us. So I want to encourage you, as Guy was just saying, well, you know, what are the, some of the things that you need to let go of? What are some of the patterns? What are some of the traditions? What are some of the ways, maybe, that you've just grown accustomed to over time that you need to step forward, you know, to let go of it and step forth and say, God, here I am. Amen? So I've got a couple of things. I've got these journey cards that may help you. If you want one, come and see me later. It's just a little tool that's used to help you position yourself in God, of understanding His heart for you, understanding what God is speaking to you about, and understanding how you can be a person of influence in this community, okay? Sometimes we need little tools, yep? How many of us are proactive people or feel like we're proactive? Or how many of us are more reactive? When someone says, hey, what about that? You go, oh, yeah, let's do that. Most people are reactive. We need something. So here's a tool. There's one thing. The second thing is, and I'm going, I'm going to get, uh, Nick, can you just take them down the back, on the back table, is as a three-question survey. That's not very hard, is it? In fact, you should be able to fill that out in about one minute and then give it back to me before you even leave this building today. Because you know what happens if you take it home with you? It very rarely comes back. It's true. We want to simplify things. We don't want to make things complex. We want to simplify things. So the first question is, how can we best get information to you that might be of interest to you? Because it's becoming increasingly aware that most people are only reading part of the weekly email. They're not reading all of it. Maybe some people are not even reading any of it. So how do we get the information across to you so we don't spend half an hour on a Sunday running through announcements? Okay. How can we see you better connected? How can we see you better connected is the second question. And there's some examples there. And how do we help you grow? And there's some examples there. I want you to just take a minute just to fill out those three questions and give it back to me. Is that all right? Okay, that's like five, six people. Rightio. Come on. It won't take you very long. 
And I think we all like things when they're simplified. And I think we all like, well, I hope we all like the idea of being better connected and better equipped. Don't we? Better connected and better equipped? Okay, so answer those questions, that'd be good. Let's get into the Word today, amen? Amen. Lord, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your presence. We thank you for the ministry of your Spirit, that you take your Word and you speak to each one of us according to where we're at. Lord, we thank you, God, for the, for the sense of, of being on the front foot, for the sense of taking hold of, for the sense of fresh faith and, and fresh hope and fresh purpose, God, that you, you are speaking over your church. And so, Lord, we simply say today, give us ears to hear what your Spirit is saying. Every distraction be gone in Jesus' name. Every thought that is not of you be gone in Jesus' name. We want to see, Lord, we want to take hold of this Word. We want to take hold of what you're saying to us. We want it to bear fruit 30-fold, 60-fold, 100-fold in Jesus' name for your glory and for the extension of your kingdom. Amen? Amen. Let's get straight into it. The Lord says in 2021, cast off fear and apathy and be strong and courageous and let my first love fire cause you to arise, step forth and take the land. That is a short, sharp, succinct Word that the Lord gave me as I was praying into this year. Cast off fear and apathy. And we're going to talk about this. We're not, that, that's not the end of it. We're not finishing right now, okay? Just checking. Cast off fear and apathy. The Lord says, be strong and courageous and let my first love fire cause you to arise, step forth and take the lands. One of the verses of Scripture that the Lord was speaking to me through was Joshua 1. When he said, be strong and courageous. And he didn't just say it once, he didn't just say it twice, he said it three times. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to take the land which I've given to you, which I swore to your forefathers. Amen? Oh man, there's only a couple of amens today. Come on. Let's unpack this. We want to unpack this today. Hebrews chapter 12 says this. Verse of Scripture you've heard before. Please don't go, yeah, I've heard that before. It's really easy when you read a passage of Scripture, you go, yeah, I've read that before. But you know, whenever you go back to the Word of God, there is fresh manna. There is fresh manna from heaven that comes. Amen. Hebrews 12 says, Therefore, since we, have such a, we are surrounded by such a large cloud of witnesses, lay aside every hindrance, and every sin that so easily ensnares us or entangles us, and let us run with endurance the race that lies before us, keeping our eyes on Jesus, the, the author and perfecter of our faith. Amen? So the first thing we read is lay aside or cast off. Cast off. Don't carry it. What are you carrying that you don't need to be carrying? What load are you bearing that you don't need to be bearing? You need to cast off every hindrance. What are the things that are hindering you? You know, this week as I was praying into uh, 2021, there, I, I had times of condemnation. It was like the enemy was condemning me about stuff. Do you, do you receive that? Or do you go, that is not of God? And do you reject that? You see, that kind of stuff, if you start to, to partner with it, can hinder you. The lies and the deception of the enemy can hinder you. 
and the sin. We spoke two or three weeks about, as has already been mentioned today, that we are spiritual beings having a human experience. Amen? That our spirit is the righteousness of God in Christ. That we need to learn to live by the spirit, not by the flesh. Jesus lived by the spirit. And the flesh was subject. That's why he could be tempted in everything, yet was without sin. And it's time for us to grow up as sons of God and to lay aside every hindrance and the sin that so easily entangles us and run with endurance. I don't know about you, but, you, but we need endurance. Yeah? Endurance is something that the Lord has had to teach me because I was a sprinter. You know, I was a 100 and 200 metre sprinter and every now and then I got asked to run a 400 and that was it. That was, that, that was as far as I was going. I'm going, no, nah, I'm not running any further. I was a sprinter. So God had to teach me about endurance. And if I look back on my life, there were times that I wasn't very good at endurance. You know, but he continues to teach me, teach me about endurance because the world doesn't endure. People don't endure. That's why we've got so much stuff happening in the world today. People don't endure things anymore. There's no patience anymore. There's no perseverance anymore. And there's too much of that has come into the church, into into the people of God. But we are born of the Spirit, not of the flesh. And so we need to learn to be patient. We need to be learned, learned to endure and to persevere in relationships and in faith. And yes, in, in uh, believing for the promises of God to come, the suddenlies of God. We need to learn these things. And keep your eyes on Jesus. Now that's the key right there. The only way that you can actually endure is if you keep your eyes on Jesus. Because the moment you take your eyes off Jesus, you give up. Yep. It's really easy. You've got to keep your eyes on Jesus. You know, and, it's, and that's why it's good to always talk to your brother and sister and go, how's your walk with Jesus going? It's a good question to ask. I was talking to a guy in Nigeria who wanted to be mentored a little bit. And I felt the Lord ask him after a couple of weeks of kind of talking about stuff, I... The Lord had me ask him, how's your walk with Jesus going? And he couldn't answer it. He was giving me all kinds of other answers, but he couldn't answer that question. How's your walk with Jesus going? The only way that we can truly endure stuff is if we keep our eyes on Jesus. Amen? It is all about him. You know, there's other things that we need to probably cast off. And maybe for you, you know, the, the Holy Spirit's highlighting some stuff. It's different for each one. But the, the, the Holy Spirit, you know, is highlighting. Jesus is highlighting fear and apathy for 2021. I couldn't get past those two words. There were other things I thought, oh, maybe this God, maybe this. No, 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 no. I want you to concentrate on fear and I want you to concentrate on apathy. So that's why he says, cast off fear and apathy. So let's talk about fear for a minute. Is that all right? Jude's going. Yep, good. We're going good. Proverbs 29 verse 25 says this. The fear of man is a snare, but the one who trusts in the Lord is protected. The fear of man is a snare. One who trusts in God is protected. 1 John 4.18 says that his perfect love casts out all fear because fear has to do with punishment. 
What are people fearful of? You don't have to answer me right now. I want you to think about it. I want you to process it. Am I, am I fearful of man? Am I fearful of man, of what man may do to me or say about me or talk about me behind my back? Am I fearful of man? Am I fearful of my brothers and sisters even? You know, that I'm really not being who, who I am because I'm fearful of will people reject me? Am I fearful of connection, connecting with people? Am I fearful of trusting others? And that's a big one, isn't it? Can we trust other people? Can we trust one another? Are we fearful of failure? There's no such thing as failure unless we, can, unless we never learn the lesson. We can fail at something, but we learn the lesson, so it's actually not a failure. You know, there were countless people, and you've heard me, even at a human level, countless people throughout history that, that were the world-branded failures, and their life showed that they were not a failure. Michael Jordan didn't even make his high school basketball team. Hello. Walt Disney got sacked from two or three jobs. Hello. Look at Scripture. Abraham, Jacob, Joseph, Jeremiah, David. The list just goes on. Are you fearful of letting go and letting God? Are you fearful of letting go and letting God? We like to kind of have some sort of control over things, don't we? There's a comfort in knowing that I've got a little bit of control over this. No? Nobody like that? Okay, we've got a few laughing now, so that's a good indication. You need to let go, and you need to let God. We need to let God. We need to let God. We need to trust Him. We need to trust Him in our families. We need to trust Him in our situations. We need to trust Him. Trust Him. We need to trust Him with our finances. That's a big one. You know, we have freedom in that. But... We, we probably don't say enough that, you know, it is right to give. It's very right to give. But do you trust God? Can you let go? Can you trust God? Some of our greatest testimonies of walking with God have been when we had nothing and we still gave. I can tell you that now. When our bank balance was $6 and we wondered how we were going to pay our next bill, some of our best testimonies was when I still gave. I gave everything that I could give and I trusted God and He always came through. Amen. What are you fearful of? Only you can answer that question. But it's a good question to ask when you sit with God in the still place and say, Lord, what do I need to let go of? What, what is it? Because the key is that anything that you're fearful of binds you up. Fear stops you from moving. If you're fearful of trusting people in relationships, you'll never get close to people. So you're bound. You cannot get to second base because you don't trust them. If you have a fear of man, you'll never step out of the boat and try something. If you have a fear of man, you'll never share your faith because you've you got a fear. It's a snare. It binds you up. It stops you from moving. And the key is Jesus. 
knowing what he has done for you. Think about Jesus for a minute. He, he, he was called all kinds of things. He was ridiculed. He was spat at. He was beaten. He was flogged. He was tortured. He was called all kinds of names. But he still knew who he was. When the devil tried to come to him and try to tempt him with all these promises and stuff, he didn't have to play those games, which I've already preached about time and time again, because he knew that he was the son of, son of God. He knew that. He didn't have to play those games. He knew. And the key for you today is, whatever the world may throw at you, or whatever the devil might try to throw at you, it does not change who you are because you are a child of God. You are securely loved. You are found in him and no weapon that's formed against you can prosper. And every tongue that rises against you, that's absolutely should be refuted. You are fully loved. And that's why the Lord can say to us, be strong and courageous. You can stand. You can take a stand. Apathy. I was thinking about that. Man, there's so many. While the word apathy is not in Scripture, there are so many words that are related to apathy that are. You look at Proverbs chapter 1, for example. I've got to find it. These are the symptoms of apathy. Since I called out and you refused. That's apathy. She'll be right, mate. Can't be bothered. Kids, when your mum or dad's calling you to get off your bed or off the couch to come and help with something, you can't be bothered. That's apathy. Since, you, since I called out, you refused. I extended my hand to you and no one paid attention. The hand of God has been extended and how many people are paying attention? Since you neglected all my counsel and did not accept my correction. There's symptoms of apathy. We read in Scripture in 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy chapter 4. Verse 3 says, the time will come when people will not tolerate sound doctrine, but according to their own desires will multiply teachers for themselves because they have an itch to hear what they want to hear. They will turn away from hearing the truth and they will turn aside to myths. That's a symptom of apathy. And I'll tell you why in a minute. We read in the churches to Revelation, not once, but twice. We read in chapter 3 to the to the church in Sardis. It says, I know your works, you have a reputation for being alive, but you are dead. Ooh. Be alert and strengthen what remains for that which is about to die. That's apathy. And of course, Jesus says to the church in Laodicea, but you are lukewarm. There's so many verses about things that are related to being apathetic. Because apathy shows itself in three ways. One is a lack of interest. We have a lack of interest. Do you have a lack of interest for the things of God? Do you have a lack of interest for the Word of God? Do you have a lack of interest to pray? See what God's highlighting? Oh, maybe I am apathetic. I think we've all got to look at this. Apathy also shows itself in a lack of enthusiasm. Are we enthused or are we just ho-hum? 
Apathy also shows itself as a lack of concern. Do we have a lack of concern for the lost, for what's happening in our world, what's happening in Bundaberg? Do we have a concern or do we have no concern? For I heard the Lord say to me as I was praying about this, there's a lack of interest in my heart. my ways, and serving me in my kingdom. You've got to understand that when I speak of this message, this is not, the Lord gives me his heart for his church, and we are part of his church, amen? There's a lack of interest in my heart and my ways, and serving me in my kingdom, and that really concerned me. Where's our heart with God's heart? Is he truly the treasure? Is he truly the one? Is he truly at the forefront? You know, apathy has stolen enthusiasm in the, in the church. You know, you hear testimonies of, of time and time again, you know, as people have a look around at other fellowships in the city. Where's the enthusiasm? Where's the joy? Where is it? Apathy has stolen a concern for the things of God. The answer, and you might think, oh man, Tim, this is getting a bit, you know what? This is getting a bit like, whoa, Tim, come on. But I have to share what I need to share, hey. We have to cast off fear. And we have to cast off apathy. And the question is, am I carrying any apathy? Is there something in my spirit that is apathetic? Have I lost Have I lost interest? Have I lost enthusiasm? Have I lost concern for the things of God and for what's happening in the world around me? Have I lost that? And only you can answer that. But the answer is in the Word. The answer is in that Word. I believe that that is is one of the things that God is saying. The thing thing about the prophetic is that that we see in part and we know in part. Amen. No one person has all the answers. But as I was praying, that was the thing that the Lord said to me. Cast off fear and apathy. Tell my people, cast off fear and apathy. The Lord says, be strong and courageous and let my first love fire cause you to arise, step forth and take the land. The answer is in the words. Let his first love fire. Amen? Amen? Let his first love fire. When his first love fire begins to burn in you, you know what? You don't get so distracted anymore. You're not so ho-hum anymore. You're not just so going through the motions anymore. And that's where the word comes back in. You know, we do need to sit at his feet. We do. We do need to spend time with Jesus. Amen? David knew this. David knew about first love fire. Are you with me? Are we going okay here? Because David said, my soul follows hard after you. There was something in David. There was a stirring in his spirit that says, I want to know God more. My soul follows hard after you. I'm not just content with going through the motions, but I want more because I know there is more. My soul follows hard after you. David knew this. Paul did. Man, as I said a couple of weeks ago, you know, Paul knew everything about everything, and yet he said, you know what, I consider it all dung to knowing Christ. Yeah, I, I want to know you. That's, that's kind of where that song comes from. I want to know you. Let your spirit overwhelm me. Let your presence overtake my heart. I want to know you, God. Paul knew this. John knew this because he rested his head on the chest of Jesus. 
He knew about first love. That's why the Gospel of John is written from a point of relationship. It is so full of relationship. It is so full of connection. It is so full of that. Amen? Mary knew this. Martha was running around doing all this stuff, you know, getting everything ready, and Mary is just sitting at the feet of Jesus. Mary knew about first love fire. And, you know, and I think most of us here today, if not all of us, have had some encounter with Jesus, some encounter with first love fire. Otherwise, why, why would we be here today? Or well, maybe we haven't and we want one, so we're here today. An encounter with the fiery love of Jesus. But you know what can happen? Life can get in the way. Stuff can get in the way. And you can become apathetic even if you don't want to be. Distractions. The world wants to distract you. Hands up if you've ever felt distracted. I reckon all of us have felt distracted. They'll always try to take you from that place of first love. Because it's his love that fuels the fire. Amen. If we only do, if we only do something, you know, I won't go there. It's all right. It's all right. If we only do is in we serve, 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 do, do, do without first love, guess what happens? We dry up. We dry up and we reach the end of the line because I just can't give any more. If we only live from encounter to counter but we don't do anything with it, guess what happens? We puff up. Or you could actually say we also dry up because the Sea of Galilee shows compared to the Dead Sea that if there's no inflow and outflow, it doesn't go anywhere. Every encounter should lead to an overflow. Amen? I want to give you some examples in a minute. Where are you at? What, what end of the pendulum are you at? Are you encountering Jesus day by day? Or are you encountering from time to time? What are you doing with that? Or are you just busy, just doing, 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 because you're just serving, serving, serving? There's a balance. We encounter him and we serve. We encounter him and we go. I love the story of the monks up in off Scotland centuries ago. These are monks and they learned something that the church, the modern day church has totally forgotten. They used to live on this little island off Scotland and as the, at certain times of the year they couldn't cross but other times of the year they could cross. The way the tides worked and the water worked and the seasons worked, there was times they could cross and times they weren't. When they couldn't cross, they took it as an opportunity to seek God. They worshipped and fasted and prayed, you know, had encounter after encounter after encounter. And as soon as the land was clear, they would step across to the mainland and they would go off and perform signs, wonders and miracles. See, they were doing something with it. Jacob had an encounter with God. Do you remember that, that account in Scripture? Genesis 32. Jacob had an encounter with God. <laughs> Jacob was left alone and a man wrestled with him until daybreak. And the man saw that he could not defeat him. He struck Jacob's hip socket as they wrestled and dislocated his hip. 
And he said to Jacob, let me go for it's daybreak. And Jacob said this, this is pretty bold, hey. You, just, just your hip had already been dislocated. And he goes, I will not let you go until you bless me. How do we read that? I will not let you go until you bless me. Or do we put ourselves in that moment when there's a wrestle going on and, oh, and the, but you're still holding on. You go, I will not let you go until you bless me. He had an encounter with God and his name was changed from, from, from Jacob, the deceiver, the one who would grab the hill, to Israel. God contends. God fights. He was changed. In that moment, he was changed. We see another example. I'll give you a New Testament example now. Is that all right? See, see the Old Testament and New Testament can work together. There are people out there today that say, don't read the Old Testament anymore because it's old. It's true. I've been around them. They say, people say, you can't learn anything from the Old Testament. That's what they say. It's true. But it's not true. In Luke chapter 18, we read this. A blind man receives his sight. Amen? As he approached Jericho, a blind man was sitting by the road begging. Hearing a crowd passing by, he inquired what was happening. Jesus of Nazareth is passing by, they told him. So he cried out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Those in front of him told him to keep quiet. Shut up. That's enough. Pipe down. You're embarrassing us. Jesus not interested. Or whatever. That's just my... Anyway, that's just me. He kept crying, but he kept crying out all the more. Son of David, have mercy on me. Can you, can you put yourself in that picture? Here's a, here's a blind man, he, you know, and he'd heard that Jesus was passing by, the one that could heal him. He said, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. Oh, pipe down. Stop it. Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. He was, he was crying out for his life. Jesus stopped and commanded that it be brought to him. When he came closer, he asked him, what do you want me to do for you? Good question, hey. You know, I think sometimes we give people the answer before they ask the question. I think it's true. I think it always works better when someone, when you get them, when you ask the question so that you get the answer that you want to then minister to them. And that's what Jesus did. Well, what do you want me to do for you? And the Lord, uh, Lord, he said, I want to see. Can you imagine that? I want to see. Receive your sight. Jesus said to him, your faith has healed you, saved you. Instantly, he could see, and he began to follow him, glorifying God. And all the people, when they saw it, gave praise to God. You see, there's an overflow right there. He had an encounter with Jesus, and he was healed, and immediately he began following Jesus, and he began glorifying God in such a way that obviously all the people saw it. I remember singing 
songs in Sunday school about walking and leaping and praising God. Okay, I'm showing my age now. Good. Scripture is full of examples of people that encounter Jesus. Encounter after encounter after encounter. And they were changed. And maybe here today, you need a fresh encounter with Jesus. Or maybe you need to go home to your own prayer closet. And you need to sit at his feet, whatever it is. But I, in my spirit, I know that it is time for the church in this nation, which we are a part of, to rise up, to take a step, and to start to be the people of God that this nation desperately needs. We have to stop just playing church. We have to stop just being on a merry ground. We, just, we have to stop just having nice meetings. Please don't mishear me. Man, I love getting together with brothers and sisters and I love worshipping and I love the, the, the prophetic and I love the Holy Spirit. But if that's all we do in the end, we miss something. Because as we are transformed, God wants to transform this community. As we have an encounter with God, that encounter needs to be shared. And you might be sitting there saying, but I don't have a testimony. Yes, you do. Everybody has a testimony. Every person has something that is worth sharing about Jesus. Everybody. It's the enemy that tries to muzzle you. It's fear that tries to stop you. It's apathy that tries to stop you. See, it's fear or apathy. Either I'm fearful of doing it or I just can't be bothered. Is that true? Maybe, a little bit. Cast it off. For freedom, you were called to be free. For freedom, you were called to be free. You know what? It's okay to be up the front here and dance around and make a fool of yourself. Because in the eyes of God, you're worshipping. Chairs, chairs were only made for sitting. Let's get to the closey bit. Egypt was a time of slavery. Yep. Sorrow, stress, struggle. Can you imagine being part of the Israelites and everything that they went through? The, the conditions that they, that they had. It was a time of slavery, sorrow, stress and struggle. Canaan was a land of promise. It was a land of growth. It was a land of promise. And it was a land of prosperity. And it was a land of breakthrough. Liz gave us that word a, a couple of weeks ago. It's time to take the land. Amen? We have to make a choice about some stuff. And one of the things we have to do is we have to start to say no to distraction. Hang on a minute. That is distracting me. I say no. What is distracting you? You can make a choice. You can make a choice. It's time to be intentional. Do you know Jesus was intentional? He wasn't just intentional about going to the cross. He was very intentional about going to the cross. But he was intentional all the way. Remember in Mark chapter 1, when he was like, you know, ministering, there in Galilee, and the people said, you know, come on, Jesus, the people are looking for you. And he said, no, 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 I have to go somewhere else now. He was intentional in everything. He was directed by the Father in everything. He was so intentional. He had a mission, and he was on that mission. Paul, Paul was the same. Paul was really intentional. Just read, read 1 Corinthians 9. You'll see the intentionality of Paul. He was so intentional. 
He had a purpose. And somewhere along the line, can I, can I say this and hopefully no one gets offended? Okay. When I was, a, when I was pastoring Baptist churches, they were so faithful in serving. If I say, hey, we need some help in this area, bang, they're in. They just jump in. Well, that was my experience. And maybe not your experience, but that was my experience. They were just so in. But it was like, we, we needed the, we needed the breath of God. We needed the, the spirit in that area. Then pastoring, leading, whatever, Pentecostal churches, they're like so like, oh, whatever happens, you know, we'll just go along with the flow. We'll just kind of see, you know. I guess what I'm trying to say is this. There's this pendulum thing. And somewhere along the line, because maybe we've had a taste of, of, of duty, maybe we've had a taste of, you know, discipline or whatever, and we've kind of go to the other way. But there actually is a place where, you know, because discipline is actually scriptural. That's where the word disciple comes from. Being intentional, having purpose, having mission, that is actually scriptural. And yet somewhere along the line we go, oh, wow, that just sounds like too religion to me, so I'm not going to do it. That is not religion. It's not religion. People confuse what religion is all the time with what it really is. And I really can't go there today. Maybe we'll talk about that another day. But God is saying to us, from that place of first love, fire. Get in the secret place. I want to know him. I want to know him more. God, I need you more. I need you more in my life and my family. And Lord, I just want to walk with you. Know you more. From that place, he's wanting us to be intentional. From that place, he's wanting us to rise up. From that place, he's saying, will you live out that which I'm calling you to do? Bundaberg is looking for people that are saying, you know what? We are the children of God and we are not ashamed of it. And we, and we are going to live as the children of God here in this city unashamedly and it doesn't matter. And I think... You'll be surprised. Yeah, we'll get some backlash, but I think you'll be surprised there'll be more people that'll welcome it than reject it. I believe that. Because I talk to people at soccer and other places, and you know what attracts people to, to other people? People that have a really strong belief in something unwavering. I had a vision during the week. Uh, music team, you want to get up front? That'll be good. I had a vision during the week, and I shared it with some people. I had a vision of a target. You know, like a bow and arrow, like a thing, target, a what? Archery board or something, you know, like those big circles. And the Lord says, if you aim for nothing, you're going to hit nothing. If you aim for nothing, you're going to hit nothing. The Lord is calling us to be intentional. The Lord is calling us to be on the front foot. The front foot. You know, part of our heart is to see the restoration of New Testament Christianity. You don't have to see, you don't have to read too many books, many chapters of the book of Acts and you'll see what New Testament Christianity is. Living life together in God, in His presence, with His love, sharing being connected, you know, maintaining unity, 
seeing transformation, seeing impact, seeing souls saved, daily brought in, discipled, equipped, raised up. They too there go and minister. The gospel that was in Jerusalem just could spread and spread and spread and spread and spread. That's what it is. So today, what is it for you? Is it fear or is it apathy? Or maybe it's a bit of both. Today is a great day, as the word says, to cast off fear and to cast off apathy. You know, we are in a safe place, aren't we? Those that have been part of this fellowship for a while know this is a safe place. If you share something, people are with you. People are so with you. They will stand with you. They will pray with you all the way. And we are blessed by that. So blessed. But what is it for you? Is it fear or is it apathy? If it's fear, be strong. Be courageous. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. He overcame, so you too will overcome. It's truth. It's not just a scripture that you rattle off. It's actually truth. If it's apathy, let his first love fire. Rekindle. Burn that flame again in you. Amen. What does the Spirit of God want to do amongst us right now? Are we thinking about lunch? Or are we actually believing God? Here we are in this moment. And I don't want to let this moment pass. I don't want to let this moment pass. Jesus. Thank you, God.